uh, let's let's officially start the show. And I guess the uh, the first thing I wanted to talk about this week was uh, my favorite um, uh, news clip of the week. Um, we don't we don't have it queued up, but I mean it's like this. It's very short. You don't really need to hear it. Um, but basically, it, it occurred when a reporter asked Marjorie Taylor Greene if she had gotten the vaccination. Marjorie Taylor Greene's response to the question was, your question is a violation of my HIPAA rights, <laughs> which is such a fucking, like, it, it's such a strong move on so many levels. Cause like, uh, like number one, the idea that she thinks uh, HIPAA is like pleading the fifth. And number two uh, it, it has nothing to do with HIPAA rights. Like if the reporter asked her doctor if she had gotten the vaccine and the doctor told her, that would be a violation of the But HIPAA it still rights. wouldn't be a violation to like, ask is the thing. Yeah. No, yeah, you can ask somebody <laughs> that. Like that's, I lo- like, I love like the conservative concept of rights that they like, they begin at me and end at you. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and and well, I mean, entirely dependent on the very specific moment that I'm uh, trying to figure out why I should get what I want. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, la- lastly and most important, I mean, uh, the answer should connote that she 100% has gotten the vaccine. Well, of course. Already. That's why you would say that. Absolutely. Like, if you didn't get it, you would probably be like, no, I didn't. Yeah, no, because people who haven't got the vaccine are like, and are proud of it, like, love to tell other people about it. Yeah. They love to let you know that they haven't gotten vaccinated. So, I mean, that the, the she's being cheeky with this is just hiding the fact that, like, look, She's no dummy. Same with Trump. Like him, him and his whole organization, his whole family. They think Trump wants to be around sick people. He got he got the vaccine for like as, as soon as possible. I mean, it's just I don't know if he's admitted to it or not. But like like all these people are, and it's like to your to your point about how conservatives think like their rights begin at me and end at you. I mean, it's 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 running into this buzzsaw now of the very real possibility that there's. I mean, like we're seeing spiking COVID cases all over the country, and it just feels like. A lot of people have gotten vaccinated, but like we have not reached uh, a threshold at which this disease is not just going to continue to mutate into more and more variants and just be with us forever. And it's like, you know, and like that's largely because of like the recalcitrance of like 30 to 40 percent of the population that for whatever reason doesn't think they need the vaccine, thinks the vaccine is bullshit, thinks the whole fucking coronavirus thing is a hoax to begin with. But like. We're seeing an interesting thing now on like the on the, the in the conservative media and on the right wing where uh, for some reason, like now they are all sort of coming out like on Fox News or whatever. Sean Hannity the other night had this whole monologue where he was just like imploring his audience that the vaccine works. It's real. You need to get it to be safe and protect other people, which seems to be like, I mean, like a year after this shit started, they're coming around on it. and I think you're 100% right. I, there was a huge dip in the stock market this week based on fears that like all of these spiking coronavirus cases will lead uh, America into some uh, like next state of lockdown, which nobody wants, last of all, you know, business. Yeah, and uh, they, it's, it actually was that very day that uh, Hannity goes on his show and says, please. Please take COVID seriously. I can't say it enough. Enough people have died. We don't need any more deaths. Uh, although it's not, what's interesting is that uh, it, you can see the incentive for uh, Murdoch and company to change the line and have guys like Hannity uh, uh, start talking about taking the, getting the vaccine as a good thing. But not everybody is on the page, even amongst the uh, uh, the paid commentary on uh, Fox and Friends. Brian Kilmeade uh, was talking about uh, vaccinations, and Steve Ducey, uh, who is 
uh, one of the, the guys deuce. who's been pro-vaccination saying take, get the vaccine uh, is talking about how uh, you know, hey, it's, we're trying to get people not to die. And Kilmeade says, look, it's people's choice not to get a vaccine. It's whatever. Uh, they get to choose. You can't tell them what to do. And then Kilmeade says 99% of the people dying of coronavirus right now are unvaccinated. And without missing a beat, Kilmeade says that's their choice. <laughs> I like It is. It is their choice. But I mean, I, I of those 99% of people dying who are dying solely at this point because they didn't get a vaccination. Do you think when they're like wheezing out their last breath, they're like happy with that choice? Maybe some of them. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like some there you don't discount like the amount of people who just like they don't consciously realize it, but they do like kind of want to die. But well, no, like, everybody, everybody is seeking death on their own terms. And, yeah. uh, and like going out uh, like Stan Shara uh, is, is a way to do that. Well, everyone wants to be like him. It was really like, you know, every kid you meet is like trying to be like Stan Chera, even though Stan Chera like warned about that lifestyle in a lot of his music. But like, like um, <laughs> I, I uh, no, I mean, like the reason to incentivize people to get the vaccine on the conservative is obvious. Like everyone has different reasons. Like Jerry Falwell Jr. was pretty far ahead in this. He did this a few months ago. Like I was able to follow his Instagram before he locked it. And uh, he like made a big show about uh, Hell yeah. Hell yeah. getting the poke, and he was like, "Hey, everyone get the vaccine, so our crazy governor lets us do stuff again." And it's like, "Oh well, like he want, he needs everyone to get vaccinated so he can like molest a twenty four year old." Yeah, he needs to make sure that they uh, they reopen the foam parties. Yeah, like that's yeah. that's uh, at his. That shows, like, you know, low desires, like, low on the fulfillment, like, low on, like, psychological wants, you know? Like, needing, needing like, a ripped landscaper to plow your wife and, like, do all types of crackhead stuff on a boat. But, uh, you know, on the higher end, which is, like, hey, like, we have to show continual growth on an, in on an infinite curve, even though that's, like, impossible, like if you own News Corp or you're, you know, any one of the reptiles that kind of funds the GOP, it's like, well, like we we really don't want to do another fucking lockdown. Like that wouldn't be good. I, I mean, maybe too little too late, though. I don't know what you guys it, I mean, it absolutely is too little too late. And I mean, like the, the thing I was going to bring up is that like there, there's been a, a, a spate of sort of op-eds and think pieces, you know, coming out of the right-wing media. I'm thinking, like, particularly there was, like, Michael Brendan Doey, uh, Ross Douthat in the New York Times, and a few others that are attempting to grapple with this issue of, like, okay, um, we all know where, like, the, the, the population of people who just aren't getting vaccinated, like, who they are and why they're not getting vaccinated. And it's for entirely political reasons, and it's for political reasons that are entirely the province of the right-wing in this country. So, you know, staring down the barrel at like another out, like another big like economy and society crushing uh, lockdown or like the, you know, the prospect of this disease just continuing to ravage the country. They're sort of looking for a way to be like, OK, we'll acknowledge reality, but in no way is it our fault. And in fact, it's the fault of the people who are sort of uh, scolding and finger wagging at these people to get them to be vaccinated because they're like, you know, look, you can't. Uh, get someone to behave a certain way that you want while calling them an idiot while you're doing it. Because like if they feel that like, oh, uh, if me getting the vaccine is admitting 
that I was wrong and that the stupid libs are right, they're going to be less likely to get the vaccine. So there's this whole like push and pull about like what would account, like what, what would constitute um, effective and I, I don't know, uh, morally correct uh, persuasion of this, like I said, recalcitrant population in the United States. And I'm just wondering what you guys think about that. I mean, like, I, I mean, I feel like it's it's too little, too late. I feel like these people are too far gone. I don't feel like there there really is any persuading. And the other the other point that I think Doey makes in his article is that like this is all tied up in the election too. Because I mean, like you can't have like half of the country think the presidential election was a fraud and it was yeah. stolen from Donald Trump, and then have the government that in their eyes is wholly illegitimate telling them to get vaccinated. Yeah, I, Trump said that the other day and people got mad at him because he said, well, people don't trust Sleepy Joe in this election, so they don't trust the vaccine. And I'm sorry, but that's correct. Uh, we've, we have completely broken social trust. There is no, uh, there is no monocultural truth that we're all uh, in the umbrella of and making decisions uh, in relationship to. There are uh, bespoke realities that are in competition with one another. And that means that... Uh, you can't convince them by by badgering them and by uh, by talking down to them, as was pointed out by guys like uh, Brendan Doherty. But you also can't do it by kissing their ass. You can't do it at all. No, no you can't yeah, do it. Yeah. by. There's no science. There, it is. We've broken those bonds. There's no uh, repairing them. People are making up the world as they see fit and that means that they are going to continue to believe what they want to believe until they're confronted with something that cannot they cannot process and if that's a fucking uh you know breathing tube and intubation then that's too fucking late yeah i mean like i'm tend to sort of think there's nothing you can do but i do think there are two things that i think might move the needle a little bit one of them would be like like Telling like making it so that like Tom Brady is like, oh, I'll be friends with uh, Donald Trump again if he like <laughs> tells yeah. everyone to get the vaccine. That would move like a few million people, I think. And then the other thing is like people, you know, people claim to be these cool uh, individualistic cowboys. But it's like when you go through TSA, you're going to let them blast your fucking kids with x-rays, even though, you know, it's ridiculous. You're going to let them do that. You're not going to fucking do anything. We're all just cattle in a line. And that's and why they don't did. take the vaccine, because that's the proof that, no, I actually am a free person, even though in right. every other part of their lives, they've completely surrendered any autonomy. Right. This is the one thing the, they the, can control. Right. So you would make the vaccine another thing where it's like, no, you don't have a choice. Or honestly, the other option is to make it more of a choice by integrating it into the market, because like the fact that it's free honestly makes it suspicious. Like, what's free in this fucking country? What of value is free in this fucking country? And all yeah, of a sudden, you, there's this like, vaccine that they're just giving you? For one thing, a lot of poor people who aren't even conservatives are uh, were, are uh, hesitant to get the vaccine because they do not believe it's free. Uh, but then, for a lot of these people, it's like it hasn't been absorbed into the the uh, economy. I mean, how many, how many people who say, I won't eat the bugs, will pay $1.50 for a hamburger filled with, like, cow shit and... Uh, and crushed up uh, aphids and microplastics <laughs> because it's for sale, because it's been metabolized into the economy. And uh, if if they if Trump sold a miracle elixir on a website that was just the vaccine and it cost uh, twenty five bucks or something, they would buy that because it's yeah. been sanctified by the market. People, I mean, someone pointed out people happily buy Roundup every yeah. day. Yeah, 
if you, I think, yeah, obviously it should be free, but I think if you're like, you know, make it, yeah, if you're in Florida, if you live in like Palm Springs or some shit, yeah, you get to pay for it. Yeah. But you don't call it the vaccine. You call it like right. Trump's miracle elixir or something. Yeah. 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 Alpha shot. Just call it I mean, uh, hydrochloroquine. Yeah. <laughs> Just tell them yeah, to get yeah, it hydrochloroquine. Yeah, yeah. Done. But like, I mean, so this brought up point about like, oh, like we need to use sort of kid gloves because, you know, even even if you think it's like deeply immoral and irresponsible to avoid getting a vaccine that is like, you know, directly leading to the, you know, uh, further mutation of this virus and to like, you know, many, many, many hundreds of thousands of preventable deaths. Um, even if you think that's the case and you think the people doing it are doing it for like the most bad faith reasons imaginable, like the most just like the, the callous disregard for human life weighed against like the minor inconvenience of getting this vaccine is pretty astonishing. But I mean, like, even if you accept the idea that like, OK, you, you can't just badger or hector these people, which is which is I'm sure probably true. I mean, it, it's just like the, it speaks to this broader thing where it's just like for for people like Ross Douthat and Michael Brendan Doherty or whatever, like the, the fact is like they never when when the shoe of the moral judgment of the broader mainstream of society is on the other foot, they find it really uncomfortable. They really don't like wearing it. And I think that just like speaks to like the the broader currents of like the right wing and conservative thought in this country at this moment is that like over the last 20 or 30 years, they have slowly but surely, and now it's, you know, pretty undeniable, occupy a moral minority of this country, a moral minority that is judged and disliked by the majority. And they are seeking to use the law and government to remove for, for themselves the consequences of their beliefs and that like you know all that facts don't care about your feelings bullshit goes out the window when it's your feelings being attacked and and your lifestyle choices yeah that that's that's and that's all we have left though is judging each other and then rooting the state on to punish our opponents and to and to make and to make them pay for their moral choices while ours are sanctified but i mean like it really is hard to, to fathom, though, like because you can say all you want about like skepticism about, oh, like this is experimental or just the drug companies that manufactured it to begin with. But look, like we all got vaccines when we were kids. It's why I've never worried about measles in my life. And like it, it just sort of like even if you don't think it works, like it just it seems like the, the cost of getting it is just so astronomically low compared to like even the slim possibility of what will happen to you if you you know get this disease or give it to someone else. I mean, it, it, it just, I, well, I, mean, I don't know. Like, for me, it's just, it's like, I, I understand any anxiety about the, the process that went into creating these fucking things. And it's obviously experimental and they're treating us all like uh, fuck, fucking guinea pigs. There's no question about that. But there also is a goddamn virus out there. And also, more than anything, it's just such a fucking arbitrary place to draw a line at the end of the day of shit that you'll put in your body. And it yeah. really does more than anything show the, the, the egocentricity of, of, of so much of this, how, how the, the need to validate your sense of autonomy in a world where you don't really have any, where we're just uh, to participate in a world that you didn't choose to come into means signing on to a whole host of, of uh, covenants with power, with capital, with the state that totally degrade your humanity, uh, and then choosing one, our, one line that where you get to make a uh, a stand and that stand uh is on the top of a mountain of daily submissions to power 
that you are essentially trying to deny by making this uh, assertion. But but by but denying it doesn't mean that you have not made those concessions. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, every day we eat something that we shouldn't be eating. We eat some poison that's they're they're figuring out now whether it affects humans or not. Your food's fill, filled with microplastics that are driving you insane and making you feel sick and awful and fat all the time. Uh, the way that we even live, the way that we look at a little fucking piece of glass every day, we just go from screen to screen seeing processing all these events and people that our brains aren't meant to process. It's all experimental and awful. Every choice you make and kind of every thought you have now is logged into different databases that anyone could kind of buy and piece together your desires and fears from. Nothing about the way we live is right. Uh, and, you know, from that, yeah, no, I do, I do get it. I do get being afraid of the vaccine. I got it because, you know, you're already eating the fucking bug. They already put the cow asshole and the microplastics and everything in your food. They already they already put every piece of your identity into a database. They've already won. So I at least want to go to the gym without a mask. Well, that's just it. I at least want to go. I at least want to go somewhere. If if you're if you're not taking if you're getting if you're not going to get the vaccine, that's fine. But then if you're going to complain that they make you wear a mask at Arby's where you can get the big beef and cheddar, shut the fuck up. Yeah, and I fucking hate wearing a mask, and that's, like, why I do want everyone to get it. That's it, at the I, end of the day. I want to be able to go places. I want to be able to leave the country. I mean, I'd like people to stop dying of coronavirus as well. And, you know, by all accounts, like, you know, the vaccine is effective for, you know, preventing transmission and, uh, you know, uh, no, the disease. No, People get mad when you say that because it isn't true. It, you, will, you can still transmit it. It just reduces the likelihood of the transmission being serious and the the severity of of the case when you get it yeah it just becomes like one of those like you know no big deal diseases that we all have like herpes leukemia <laughs> skin cancer just things that you can like you can have and not notice and they're not a big deal and if like it, it does become a big deal you can just buy a lotion well i mean i i know i know california just like just reinstituted like indoor mask mandates and like you know like the sort of like the question is like oh well why if like you know if if you're vaccinated you know why do you need to wear a mask indoors and like you know yeah there is a small chance that you could still have like a breakout infection after being vaccinated but like i i think what's really being left unsaid here is that like the the whole reintroduction reintroduction of mask mandates in the context of like you know spiking cases is not about people who've been vaccinated who are like rightly annoyed that like they have to continue to fucking where they do this mask bullshit when you know rightly they took the steps to you know in, uh, necessary to responsibly not wear a mask everywhere but i think the whole point is that even though no one will admit this is that this is just all about modeling behavior for this for the same group of fucking assholes who still haven't you know who still uh, won't get with the program because if they if they see everyone else is not walking around wearing a mask anymore and is returning to normal they're like oh i can do it now too and if there's if there's if there's still that like majority social pressure to like be seen wearing a mask then like you know like they'll probably mask up but like yeah for someone who's vaccinated it, it does seem pretty arbitrary and unfair but like i said like this is this is the reality of living in a country where like i said 30 to 40 percent of the population is essentially unreachable on on issues like this yeah and people dying and everything is awful but like let's not pretend this country gives a shit about that Oh no! I mean, that's not—that's like not—that's not paramount to like—that's not paramount to anyone. 
I'm sorry. It just, it just, it just isn't. It just isn't. If people dying was an impetus for any policy decision, there'd be a million fucking things we do differently. It's the last thing people actually worry about. Yeah. People talk about, people talk about fucking people dying and then, yeah, they're fine. They're fine with private health insurance still existing. They're fine. They're fine with the way that we build cities where we turn certain parts into war zones where young men die at rates that they do in Syria and Iraq. We're fine with all of it. We're fine with the fucking meat grinder that we just send overseas every day. The people that even the people who like, you know, hold all this up and go, you know, I believe in science because I want to save freaking people's lives. No, you don't. That's not why you just want to go to a restaurant because you're, ju- you're, you're another American who, yeah, you want a consumer experience. That's really what it is. If people dying was the main impetus for you believing anything, you'd believe a whole lot of different things. I mean, that's why I kind of doubt we're going to get any kind of significant lockdown. Uh, if, if, death rates don't really climb along with new infections. I, we might just like keep monkeying with the numbers and, uh, and doing the theater the public theater necessary to make people feel like they have, uh, that something's being acknowledged that gives them a sense of security to go out. But, uh, other than that, I think we're just gonna, just gonna normalize. Yeah. If you live, if do. you li- if you live in a blue state, you'll get restaurant TSA where you put your fucking mask on to go to your table. You take it off. Everyone's sitting down there with other masks on. Then you put it back on to go to the bathroom. So you yeah. can, it's now part of your consumer experience. You yeah. like that. They've added that feature to the restaurant that you get to pretend that you're taking this seriously. Yeah. It's like going through the TSA to uh, get a, uh, a sandwich. Yeah. Everywhere. And then, then, in a, then in a red state, they make a big deal about how they have the freedom of choice of not doing that. And then you can like buy a sandwich from a place that is just, it's filled with shit that makes you sick. And like, turns a woman's uterus inside out and destroy and turns your vast deference into little shriveled vines. And, uh, the restaurant had to sign a pledge to Israel to even incorporate, <laughs> but you're like, yeah, I have freedom. And it's all, it's all the same shitty place, but you, yeah. you, you have a different consumer experience for either of it. So it's yeah. fine. A lot of people call my videos offensive. Well, fuck you. Black Rifle Coffee Company, we have a coffee club, which means you spend less time ordering and more time doing what you love. No look! Instead of worrying about microaggressions and what bathroom I'm gonna use, I believe it's important to support the people that actually serve our country. I've heard people say patriotism is racism. Well, as a veteran-owned company, we give zero fucks about your opinion. All right, well, uh, moving on from uh, the virus. You guys remember Black Rifle Coffee Company? Oh, Drink yeah. it every day. <laughs> I like, yeah, some, no, I've, 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 been enjoy, yeah. I've been enjoying the uh, Lieutenant Gary Powers uh, dark roast. <laughs> That's been really good. So, yeah, I, br- I bring up Black Rifle Coffee because there was this big article in the New York Times about the company, and the headline is, Can Black Rifle Coffee Company Become the Starbucks of the Right? And it's it, it you know it's it's an interesting piece because it, it touches on a lot of what we've touched on in in terms of black rifle coffee and this whole kind of consumer culture war, but also this 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 uh, increasing fetish fetishization of operator culture, in in sort of like how how do I I'd like a t shirt but I'd like it to be tactical 
I'd like espresso beans, but like you know, um, can can it have a skull on the yeah. bag? Do you have the do you, do you have the real bedpan that the Green Berets use? <laughs> um, so like, but like, you know, it's it's about their struggles to brand themselves as this kind of um anti hipster red state coffee company. Um, in in contrast to Starbucks, but it's about like them them running into the problem about having so many of their fans, um, you know, looting the Capitol or killing people wearing their merchandise. And I, I just thought it'd be interesting to read a, a little bit from this article. I mean, it's quite long. It's by uh, Jason Zengirl. Um, so I'm just going to dive in here uh, to the uh, New York Times piece about the Black Rifle Coffee Company. It uh, begins, like most Americans, Evan Hafer experienced the January 6th insurrection at the Ca- United States Capitol from a distance, watching it unfold on his television and his iPhone from Salt Lake City. What he saw did not surprise him. Hafer, who was 44, voted for Donald Trump. He was even open at first to the possibility that Trump's claims of sweeping voter fraud were legitimate until William Barr, Trump's attorney general, declared in early December that he could find no evidence that such fraud occurred. Still, Hafer told me recently, you're told by the commander in chief for months that the election was stolen. So you're going to have a group of people that are really pissed. While he disapproved of those who stormed the Capitol, he didn't believe that they or their actions constituted a real threat to the republic. I've seen an insurrection, said Hafer, a former Green Beret and CIA contractor who served in Afghanistan and Iraq. I know what it looks like. Yeah, I've done them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I've, yeah I've, I've personally. Yeah, I've done, uh, I've yeah, done the right kind, them. the kind that we're doing to other people. The ones where they actually do overthrow the government. It says here, a Black Rifle was founded in 2014 by Hafer and two fellow veterans who served in Afghanistan and Iraq and who were enthusiastic enlistees in America's culture wars, too. The company billed itself as pro-military, pro-law enforcement, and anti-hipster. Early customers could download a shooting target from the company's Facebook page that featured a bow-tied man with a handlebar mustache. <laughs> Wait a minute, what? That's- they got a thing against barbershop quartets? That's 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 the person that's the number one person I like to fantasize about dumping bullets into is a, is a guy with a tweet little mustache. Oh, I just think about one of those uh, artisanal mixologists. <laughs> just like uh, the, the 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 Tim and Eric characters from that bedtime yes. story. Yes, Amigo, is that what I think it is? What are you listening to? It's some of my favorite music ever made. It's called Latin jazz. <laughs> no, no Tortuga. Uh, yeah, just just dumping a clip into like a, a paper cutout of one of those guys, you know, which is like, uh, which makes it kind of funny that like, I mean, again, it's like it's similar to this vaccine thing. It's just sort of like it's just like now that like the consequences of like everything they've done are coming to the fore. They're like, who, me? This doesn't have anything to do with me. Like to, to find out that the fans of your coffee company are actually like, you know, uh, quite violent, nasty people. It's just like, well, you've been cultivating that fan base. I mean, you we know? saw I mean, like, fucking, we saw Range 15, which was made by the Black Rifle Coffee Guppy guys. And that was one of the most fucking psychopathically bloodthirsty things I've ever seen in my life. Its early coffees included the Silencer Smooth Roast and the AK-47 Espresso Blend. During Trump's presidency, Black Rifle's gleeful provocations grew more directly political. It endorsed Trump's Muslim ban and bought Google ads based on searches for Kofifi. Before long, Black Rifle became the unofficial coffee of the MAGA universe, winning public endorsements from Sean Hannity and Donald Trump Jr. 
In this context, the appearance of Black Rifle merchandise at the Capitol on January 6th was not exactly shocking. Nevertheless, Matt Best, the company's 34-year-old vice president, insisted that Black Rifle was singled out unfairly. Every brand. Name the brand. It was probably there. Walmart jeans, Nike shoes, he said. And then it's like one patch from our company. There's certain terrorist organizations that wear American brands when they go behead Americans. Do you think that they want to be a part of that? And I'm not drawing a parallel between the two. I'm just saying that there are things in business when you grow that are completely out of your control. And, you know, like, I, I kind of feel that with Matt. I mean, like, was I thrilled to see all the Chapo merchandise from all the footage that came out of the No Pussy Getting Convention? No. <laughs> yeah. I, I was not happy to see that. But, like, yes, in business, when you have a brand and there are certain things that are out of your control. However, unlike, for instance, like an ISIS guy wearing an Adidas tracksuit when he saws someone's head off, Adidas was not marketing um, uh, like selling uh, 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 shooting targets that were like, here, uh, kill the kafir. Or, or, or buy our death to the infidel espresso blend. You know what I mean? It's just sort of like, uh, it seems a little disingenuous of them to just be like, this has nothing to do with our company. I do, I do love watching the progression here because we, we, we've been following Black Rifle since the creation, you know? Yeah. Because it was, it was um, an early thing of like, yeah, conservatives proactively being like, no, we're going to make our own treats. Like we're, we're not going to make the cooked treats. Like we're, we're also we're gonna allow you to have a consumer experience that's you know owned by one of us, not yeah. like you know, Sumner Redstone. And now, like you get to see it all the way through. You get to see what happens to everyone, which is like, oh wow, look how you act when you have something to lose. <laughs> yep, <laughs> <laughs> isn't that a bitch? I guess it really. I guess it really wasn't about the fineness of the beans and the uh, the the clarity of the liberal tears. It was just about the money the whole time. Yeah. I do like to see Matt best again, because he's Matt best made the um, most horrifying thing we've ever watched for the show. Yeah. The range 39 movie range 15. I just said it. Oh, well I was in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Range 15 range 15. Yeah. And I would like just based on range 15, I would consider him like one of the worst people like in the country. He's a just demon like, for sure. Yeah, he's an all. I mean, he's on one team, Matt. That's all you need to know. What the fuck yeah. is wrong with those guys? Uh, yeah, one team, Matt. You should go back to Belgium with that. But uh, yeah, no, this is like everyone. Everyone's a cool fucking warrior for their cause until you can take something from them. Yep. <laughs> That's how they get you, buddy. Uh, this is just a nice little detail here. Uh, just a little further down, it says. Hafer, uh, who is a far more relatable stature, and, and I think in contract to Best, who they describe as like a uh, like an ultimate fighter, like a fucking brick shit house, fucking built like a Mack truck kind of guy. Um, and then it has some photos of uh, Kyle Rittenhouse and Eddie Gallagher wearing black rifle apparel. So it's just yeah, like, how could anyone like, like, take the like, wrong to- <laughs> message from this? You're supposed to do this to to black people and like people outside of America. Um, he says, uh, he, uh, Hafer is who have a far more relatable stature. Best likened him to Rocket, the genetically engineered raccoon in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Everyone's See, I, a I, I love about consumer. That, I, lo- yeah, I love about that is because like, like, their whole thing is like we are set up like we are we are fighting a culture war four square against like the liberal hegemony and treats popular culture uh you know modern social mores but yes i mean we're also obviously still fans of the marvel cinematic universe it, that rocket is a card yeah you know i i'm i'm always arguing you know the great fight 
the great civilizational fight, you know, what's cooler, Beetleborgs or Beast Wars? And the thing is, the Beast Wars, like, support, you know, putting women on birth control. But Beetleborgs <laughs> are against that. So they're cool. They're not for babies. Uh, uh, it says here, like, uh, another one of the fans of the company was the, uh, the famous uh, zip-tie guy from the, uh, the, the Capitol riot. Um, it says here, uh, in the 13-page affidavit the Bureau filed in support of Munchell's arrest, the words handgun, shotgun appear once. Trump twice, Taser three times, and Black Rifle Coffee Company four times. <laughs> Damn, that guy's a I, super user. Yeah, I can't believe this guy is behaving like he's an operator. <laughs> Who could, how could he have gotten that idea? Uh, he says here, uh, I would never want my brand to be represented in that way, shape, or form, Hafer said, because that's not me. <laughs> yeah, no, you should just, yeah, you should do this to Muslims. Yeah, it's like, that's not, not, not me because I have a successful coffee company and I yeah. have a house and I'm not uh, terrified uh, of falling a uh, guy with a fucking lien on his house or a mortgage or, or hasn't been able to get a job, which is more true of the people who are taking this stuff seriously. I mean, like, but, but I mean, doesn't this just, is, isn't this just exactly the same thing as we were talking about with like, like, like uh, the virus and like anti-vaccination stuff where it's just like, oh, the stock market crashes or someone, you know, dies without getting the vaccine. Then you're like, guys, we have to get this vaccine. And then like the last year of everything you said is just like, oh, like I, I didn't mean that. that. That's not me. I wasn't implying that you shouldn't get the vaccine. I just think like it's okay to raise questions or whatever. And it's just like these people are not just raising questions or, 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 or fronting for some kind of idea of like bodily autonomy or like the right to make your own medical decisions. That's not what they were doing. They were they were flatly denying that like that, that, that any of this was real at all. And now that like they face even the moment's pressure or fucking scrutiny for it, they're just like, oh, they're back up against the wall. And they're like, oh, like, that's not fair. That wasn't me. I'm not associated with this in any way, shape or form. Um, it goes on to say, uh, so like this, so they uh, in response to this, um, they, they, they it says the company uh, conspicuously uh, made an effort to like to separate itself from the zip tie guy. <laughs> Um, it says, following pressure from the company, Schaefer deleted his tweets in support of him, and Hafer released a video statement in which he clarified that while Black Rifle believed in the Constitution, the Second Amendment, and the right to bear arms, that a per and that a person is innocent until proven guilty, the company didn't sponsor... Oh, Rittenhouse. This is about the guy who shot a bunch of people at a Black Lives Matter protest. Uh, we're not in the business of profiting from tragedy. The limited disavowal, disavowal triggered fury on the right. The people that run Black Rifle Coffee are no different than most scammers involved in the conservative grift. Nick Fuentes, a prominent white nationalist activist, wrote on Twitter, they're giant douchebag posers in flip-flops and baseball caps. When push comes to shove, they are expletive liberals. And it's like, well, yeah. it's, fu it's funny that Nick, Nick Fuentes is accusing someone else of being a, a, a douchebag wearing flip-flops and a con artist. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, that's the thing. It's like, well, yeah, everyone is. And yeah, he is welcome, as well. Welcome, I mean, to, welcome, welcome to America, buddy. He's just he's grinding for subscribers too, just in a much shallower pool because of how just basically repellent he is. I do like I do like uh, to rewind a bit the black rifle guy going like we don't want to profit off of tragedy, which is very revealing because it's like no, you didn't know when I do that when we do this into here square, this isn't a tragedy. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. There's another great quote here. It says. Uh, this was the dilemma in which Black Rifle now found itself. Quote, how do you build a cool, kind of irreverent, pro-Second Amendment, pro-America brand in the MAGA era, Hafer wondered aloud. 
without doubling down on the MAGA movement and not being called a expletive rhino by the MAGA guys. Yeah, it does sort of seem like you're in a bind here, Matt. Uh, <laughs> Matt. Yeah. Well, you know, best of luck. Are you tired of the pussification of the American male? He's too afraid to defend themselves, saying shit like, violence shouldn't exist. Shut the fuck up. I believe that men should enjoy the finer things in life, like badass women and great coffee. Um, just like uh, scrolling down here, like there's a very funny thing um, in, in the article where there's like the, the photos that are included in it of like from their from their office. Uh, there, there's a photo of a big whiteboard, um, and and like it, it, the handwriting is a little hard to read, but you can make out ten iconic designs, May 2021, um, and under under the iconic designs we have uh, battle unicorn, bear wolf, muff diver. Space in quotation marks, party panther, manatee fight, and Grateful Dead space bear. Cool. <laughs> I mean, I recognize the space bear. I know what that looks like. I don't know what the other ones are. Oh, uh, also another epic, uh, epic iconic design: rooster on a tire swing. Is that like? <laughs> is that like one of those things you're supposed to put together? Like big swinging dick, big swing cock. Oh, you're right. That's yeah. probably what it is. Like yeah. a, a swinging dick. Yeah, there yeah. we go. And then also, my, I think my favorite, alien intactasquatch scheme. So like like an alien, but instead of smoking weed, they're like in camo. And they're like, yeah, let's, yeah. let's get some. Yeah, take me to your pedophile warlord in <laughs> Afghanistan that I'll bodyguard. <laughs> <laughs> Say I'm cool for doing it. I'm just like skipping ahead here. It says, uh, Black Rifle 2 presents itself as a lifestyle brand. With its hats, T-shirts, and other flag and firearm-bedecked merchandise accounting for more than 15% of the company's 2020 sales. At times, Black Rifle has explicitly presented itself as a trolley, Trumpy alternative to the Seattle giant. When Starbucks pledged to hire 10,000 refugees to protest Trump's 2017 executive order banning visas to applicants from seven countries, most of whose populations were majority Muslim, Black Rifle created a social media meme with Starbucks cups photoshopped alongside ISIS fighters. In 2019, after an Oklahoma police officer posted a photo on Starbucks of, on Facebook of a Starbucks cup that a barista had labeled pig, Best appeared on Fox and Friends, the Trump-beloved talk show, to announce that Black Rifle was giving the officer and his department enough coffee so they'll never have to go to Starbucks again. But they will. <laughs> no, they will. That's Everyone's got to go to Starbucks. I would bet money that more of these guys went to Starbucks after that happened because it became part of the experience is being like, Oh, I would hate it if a bisexual like call, called me racist on my cup. Yeah. Like that would be the most exciting thing that ever happened to them. They probably went like twice a day after that hoping that would happen. That's not the whole and, thing, and, thing know, of like using Donald Trump as your name on the cup. It's like to get some sort of frisson, to get some sort of uh energy out of a, out of the banal experience of going to get coffee that everybody has made part of their lives. I mean, honestly, they should do something where Starbucks, if you work at Starbucks, they make you part of Screen Actors Guild and like, yeah. give you all the benefits and like pay you way more. And you can like play the part of the evil barista and be like, you know, you can you can only get your like 1300 calorie Frappuccino if you admit that God's not real and then you can kill them. <laughs> but there will be squibs. It will be squibs. Yeah. And every Starbucks employer employee makes a quarter of a million dollars a year to do that. But the, the lattes well, I mean, cost a hundred dollars and people they would still go. These pigs would still fucking go. Would love because to yeah, them. yeah, no, it's like everyone used to make fun of those things where it's like, you know, 
I called somebody. It, it was like a goon thing. It was like, oh, there were some rap style people in the movie theater, and I like called them ignoramuses, and everyone <laughs> applauded for me. <laughs> everyone like made fun of that, but like now that's everyone. Yeah, everyone wants a moment like that because that's like yeah, the only thing you can get in America, and it's like. No, Starbucks probably like plants those like bullshit like debunk stories where it's like yeah they put pig on the cup because they like it makes these guys go there more. If you if that happens to you, you can become you can have a media career, which is like that's all anyone in America wants anymore. Correct, is a media career. Absolutely. Hey, why wouldn't they? It's pretty good. It's not bad. Actually, it's harder than a lot of jobs. <laughs> it's actually pretty hard. It's not cool. Uh, one. Here, here is you're coming up here. Here's, here's I think I think the most telling and my favorite quote in this piece. Uh, Tom Davin, a former executive at Taco Bell and Panda Express, who two years ago became Black Rifle's co-chief executive, says, "Our customer is driving a tricked-out Ford F-150. It's blue collar, above average income." Some college educated. Yeah, I love a good, I love a good blue collar yeah, above average income. Yeah, blue collar <laughs> above average income is, is their demographic, and like, I mean, th- this this so perfectly encapsulates everything we've talking about about like a class and culture war just being based on consumer decisions. Yeah. So because like you're blue collar if you drive a tricked out F one fifty, even if you went to college and are above average income because you have the. Uh, tastes of 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 uh, you know a, a red state uh, typical red state guy. Well, I mean, and hell, most of those red state guys are that way too. Like all those like yeah, self consciously political people in this country tend to be what more well off, and and so uh, the the signifiers are mostly being uh, utilized by people who are self consciously trying to adopt a persona. Yeah. Yeah, he goes on to say it's people who shop at Walmart rather than Target. I mean, like, <laughs> There's no the, difference the two, between those the two, two identical oh, fucking chain box stores. Yeah, exactly <laughs> the same. They have the same shit. <laughs> this is a Powerade house. Get your fucking Gatorade ass out of here. You're against everything that we stand for. And yeah, it's true. Like there are plenty. There's plenty of uh, libs who think that they're better people because they go to Target instead of Walmart. But it's the same fucking delusion. No, yeah, you're buying the same dog shit stuff. Yeah. You're all you, eating the same slop, you pigs. You, you're all going to the slave labor emporium. Uh, just skipping ahead a little bit. Um, by the way, uh, it, it, uh, it does talk about how Hafer, like his background in the military, is that he was a CIA contractor in Afghanistan, Iraq, Israel, the Philippines, and elsewhere. Okay, so and this guy says, has the, <laughs> this guy is in possession of the Jeffrey Epstein uh, uh, videos for sure. That's I want to find out the way he got to the Philippines. He was like, oh, no, I heard bad stuff happens there. Oh, no, I don't want to be sent there or Thailand. Uh, Well, it says here, uh, by 2013, he was running a CIA program in Kabul, divorced from his first wife and disgruntled with American foreign policy. He concluded that the war there wasn't being waged to defend the United States or promote democracy. Rather, it was about enriching the military industrial complex with the largest transfer of taxpayer wealth in American history. The CIA did not renew his contract the following year. And, you know, hence, that's why he has a coffee company now. But what I like about this is why do these homosexuals keep sucking my (laughs) cock? What I like about that is like he became disillusioned and he's like, we're not fighting for freedom or democracy. We're fighting to enrich the military industrial complex. So I'm going to go back and uh, start a lifestyle brand based on entirely glorifying that exact same military industrial complex. Hey, if, if, all the, if everyone is just trying to get paid, then isn't the imperative to be one of the people getting paid? 
Yeah. Instead of sacrificing for some abstract ideal, like a chump. Uh, this is like a, a good rundown of uh, <laughs> like uh, operator style uh, brins here. It says, uh, the fascination with and romantic- romanticization of special operations gave us video games like the later installments in the Call of Duty franchise, movies like Lone Survivor, and a sagging shelf of Navy SEAL memoirs. It also gave rise to an entire industry retrofitting operator culture as a lifestyle. There's Grunt Style, a popular clothing brand farm- founded by a former Army drill sergeant that sells camouflage polyester shorts, Ranger panties, and T-shirts with a variety of skull and ammunition-centric designs. That's awesome. The apparel company uh, 511, which manufactured specialty pants for rock climbers, started going by the name 511 Tactical in 2003 and soon began selling T-shirts with twin underarm pockets, a quick, comfortable, and covert solution for concealed carry wear, and active shooter response bags specifically designed to carry assault rifle magazines. It now has 85 retail stores in 20 seven states uh just just real quick going back to the idea of a tactical t-shirt with twin underarm pockets which are a comfortable covert solution for concealed carry wear am i am i led to believe that you would be concealed carrying a pistol in a hidden pocket on your t-shirt in your armpit yeah you just go under there and you get it (laughs) all right all right i see you just sort of like pull it out okay cool but i mean it would have to be a pretty small gun no you you can have like like a 45 in there or anything I, i have a tumor I have side bo- I have side boob on one side. Happens it's tactical. To a lot of veterans. You wouldn't understand. It's a tactical yeah. thing. You wouldn't understand. Appearing on Fox and Friends in 2017 to respond to Starbucks' pledge to hire 10,000 refugees, Hafer announced that Black Rifle intended to hire 10,000 veterans. Oh, I bet they the make team. awesome coffee. <laughs> just guys, just any time the roaster pops, they just empty 30 rounds into it. But it says here, coming from the chief executive of a company that at the time had about 50 employees, this was a transparent publicity stunt. But I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think that's it, 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 like Black Rifle and what they represent. I, th- I think what we're getting at here are just sort of like it. I mean, it, it, it's it, I think it's deeply weird and disturbing that so much of like American popular culture and consumer culture is based on like glorifying being a, you know, a warrior or I'm a death giver. I'm a, I'm a reaper. I, I you know, I'm a, I'm a wolf protecting the sheep or whatever from like, you know, just like, like fat suburban losers and just all this the kind of like Punisher kit and this kind of like, you know, the, the skull death's head logo on like, you know, panties that you can buy your girlfriend or whatever. Um, but yeah, but like this is just part and parcel of what everything is now, right? I mean, it's all just a a, a big publicity stunt. Yeah. He goes. Uh, this is a, this is a, someone speaking. He goes. He goes. Uh, you have an entire generation of guys over the last twenty years that were trained to deploy and kill people. Hafer told me it's the most politically incorrect profession. Let's just say what it is. You're going to take life. And then you have this evolutionary circumstance in society which says that everything has to be politically correct. And now what they want a generation of guys to do is come home and be nice. They want us to all be politically correct. They want us to be watered-down versions of ourselves because I think they just want to forget and move on with their lives. I mean, is it really political correctness to be against killing people? I mean, at least in America. I mean, I know we don't care about... Well, they don't want to kill anybody. They just want... They just... Like you're talking about, they just want their uh, their persona to be validated. That's it. They just want to be validated in their preferences, and and they feel like the culture at large is is judging it. And a lot of that judgment is internal. They're just imagining it because they're insecure, like we all are. 
uh, and then they are able to uh, express that insecurity in a culture that, yes, has this civilizing ethos around it that says that you leave the violence outside of the uh, of the borders of the country, uh, and that it, it's something that should be uh, pursued, you know, reluctantly and not to be glorified, even though. Uh, that's what you're going to create as a culture that by definition has to end up glorifying violence. So, I mean, they're right that it is an attempt to sort of deny the reality of, of be, living at the center of a global empire that is maintained in part by continual death dealing in foreign countries. Uh, but I mean, their objection isn't to uh, uh, any specific imprisonment of their uh, desire because they just want to come home and yeah, sell some fucking coffee and wear a t-shirt and, and, uh, upset the the liberals. Uh, it, it's just it's it's more than anything a framework to give them a uh, a struggle that yeah. they can fixate on and grievances to fixate on to ignore the emptiness otherwise. Uh, just last paragraph here. Uh, the racism expletive really pisses me off. Hafer said, "I hate racist, proud, boyish people. Like I'll pay them to leave my customer base. I would gladly chop all of these people out of my expletive customer database and pay them to get the expletive out." If that was the case, I asked, had Black Rifle, which sells a thin blue line coffee, considered changing the name of its Beyond Black Coffee, a dark roast that had sold for two, for years, to Beyond Black Lives Matter? Surely that would alienate the racists polluting its customer base. Hafer began to laugh. You wouldn't do that, I ventured. I would never do that, Hafer replied. We're trying to be us. Just You just got to do you. And, you know, you gotta, and also drink a coffee that is, um, you know, congruent with your personality. Yeah, have it your way. All right. Uh, finally, for today's show, the uh, the reading series of the week. Let's get into it. This is a good one. This is um this is sort of a throwback to the uh, the Kurt Schlichter Ben Shapiro era of um, uh, like a thinly veiled fictional wish casting about like, oh, I, I hope uh, soy terrorists don't try to invade my house and I'd have to kill all of them. Uh, it's very much in vain like that. It, 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 like I said, it harkens back to like the, the classics of the, of the genre that we've portrayed on uh, this show before. Um, I, I don't know, have we covered Sorab Amari before? I think I've mentioned him. Uh, basically, all you need to know about him is that he's a guy who converted to Catholicism in middle age in the 21st century, approximately two or three years ago, and has now decided that the world should be ruled by the Catholic Church. So, like, the rules that he discovered for himself a couple weeks ago are now good enough to apply to every other human being on the planet. So this is uh, Sorab Amari uh, writing in an outlet called Unheard. Uh, the, the, the story is... President Kamala would destroy America. A dangerous ideology is capturing institutions and threatening national security. And this is sort of a, his, his uh, fictional, or is it, account of a not-too-distant future and what some of the uh, ramifications of letting uh, the loony libs run riot in our country will lead to. All right. It was July 4th, 2025, that Kamala Harris received her first true 3 a.m. phone call as president. The time was 3.26, in fact, and on the line was the director of national intelligence and Harris's fellow Californian, Adam Schiff. Madam President Schiff began, his tone instantly telegraphing the direness of the situation. We have some urgent intelligence from Russia. 
Given the circumstances, urgent was an understatement. Minutes earlier, the U.S. intelligence community had received word from the Kremlin that a group of radical climate activists calling itself Extinction Now had infiltrated the central control station at Russia's newest nuclear power plant in Kaliningrad. The group's demand was as simple as it was psychotic. Russia, along with all other developed nations, had to cease the production and consumption of fossil fuels and nuclear energy within 24 hours. Failing this, they would shut down the reactor coolant and set off a nuclear explosion that would make Chernobyl look like child's play. Yes, a blast of such magnitude would do some environmental harm, but if it means helping eradicate the pandemic of human life that has plagued our little blue gem of a planet, so be it. So uh, what do you think of this nightmare scenario so far? President uh, Kamala and eco-terrorists are going to do Chernobyl too. What do you do? I, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm list, I, I would listen. I would be intrigued to read their newsletter. This was not merely a European headache. The White House soon received word of, a simil- of similar infiltrations at nuclear facilities in France, Canada, China, and the U.S. ditching the old green mantra, Extinction Now, thought and acted globally. Harris's political life flashed before her. She wouldn't be in the White House had it not been for Trump's third-party challenge to the GOP nominee, Ron DeSantis, which had divided the right. Moreover, a polarized public hadn't indulged her with the honeymoon period new presidents expect, and her legitimacy was under a permanent cloud owing to dramatic changes to U.S. electoral law, including votes for illegal immigrants imposed by executive order by her predecessor and ex-boss Joe Biden. Um, do you like think I think Sorab here is like telegraphing uh, that he doesn't want Trump to run uh, for president because he doesn't want. He's saying that if Trump runs as a third party, it will, it will stop Ron DeSantis from becoming president and leading to this doomsday scenario. It's true. I, yeah. I mean, he needs to answer for this, honestly. I mean, I don't think he has to worry too much about Trump running as a third party. That's not his. That's too much. Because he won't have to. I'm sorry. If Trump runs again, he will be nominated. Yeah, he's not going to lose. Ron fucking DeSantis is not going to beat him. in a. He wouldn't run against him. None of these guys would run against Trump if he ran. All these guys are going to wait and see until he announces one way or the other. And if he says he's not, then they'll run in. But they're not going to fucking be embarrassed by trying to run against Trump and then getting annihilated. Uh, Sorab continues, uh, but why should she be sorry for that decision? Media, Academy, Silicon Valley, Hollywood, corporate America, and the nation's professional class as a whole all adored her. What did it matter to her that a smattering of malcontents whose conspiracy-laden views were increasingly invisible to the non-deplorables, thanks to the efforts of Mrs. Dorsey and Zuckerberg, objected to the new regime? Meanwhile, there were other burning questions blazing that night at the White House residence. How had America's top-flight spy agencies missed the threat from Extinction Now? Why hadn't the Russians, let alone allies such as Britain and France, warned Washington? Was there some scientific or technical solution? If not, was there a military option? If the West were forced to meet Extinction Now demand, how would she level with the public? No one among the cabinet members and other high officials assembled in the White House Situation Room could give the president a straight answer. It fell to a nerdy-looking National Security Council staffer standing in the pews surrounding the principal's table to voice the grim truth. This staffer seemed to have sensed something truly apocalyptic was afoot and felt bold enough to unburden himself of opinions that under normal circumstances would have almost certainly ended his career. He began, uh, this wonky analyst name was Rorab um, 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 Seri. <laughs> he began to read from hastily jotted notes on a pad. 
Madam President, he said as a, fell, a hush fell over the room, the reason America's intelligence community missed the militarization of Extinction Now and other extreme green groups isn't complicated. The vast majority of our spooks spend their days analyzing their identities along intersectional lines of race, gender, and sexuality. <laughs> this is, a, this is the, a golden oldie here. It's just, uh, yeah, America's going to get wiped out by radical eco-terrorists because the CIA is uh, doing gender. Yeah, I could see it. As you know, the CIA now specifically recruits four people with gender identity and, and anxiety disorders. Madam President, the last time our office requested a CIA report on jihadist groups operating in Sahel, they protested that the council was racist, xenophobic, fascist, and triggering. Six employees requested indefinite compassionate leave as a result of our request. As for Russia and our allies, the staffer went on, the other great powers have been trying to warn you about the rise of hardline greens. The trouble is they can't get through. You put Karen Adia in charge of our European policy, remember? Before joining your administration, she had a knack for enraging the French by knocking out ill-informed Jeremiads, applying the parochial obsessions of U.S. wokesters to global problems. She cast Macron as almost a fascist. The French, and not just the French, now see critical race theory as a tool of American imperialism designed to undermine their national cohesion. Trust is low. Uh, what I like here about Sorab is that he's saying that, like, um, uh, like you know, like our, our country has been weakened because uh, we've been um, uh, catering to the insane fantasies of a tiny minority. And it's just once again, like, this is his job. Yeah, and it, I mean, like this whole article is just like every single cultural slight and grievance he's ever had over the last couple of years, uh, you know, a mustard for this like bizarre fantasy scenario in which it all comes true. Yeah, well, this is I like this for two reasons. One is that this is such a throwback to like teacup style writing where it's like I entered the president's office at uh, 0800 hours. He was smoking crack. Yo, can <laughs> we can we rap with Jay-Z? He said not now, Mr. President. Osama bin Laden linked up with Hezbollah. Need it or keep it. And like, <laughs> like, like uh, you know, they, they stopped doing that after Trump because it was a different style. Like, this is like the more the Tom Clancy, like, sentient USS Naval Destroyer hat and aviator sunglasses style conservative who all got into, like, you know, hydrochloride and, like, you know, whether Valerie Bertinelli is two-faced or not. But, like, I hope this comes back because I miss the style a lot. But it also does my favorite thing that, you know, the conservatives do with, like, woke capital and, like, the woke CIA, where it's like, well, what is it? Like, is it a tool of American imperialism or is it, like, completely destroying us? Like, is it is it, is it this, like, complete, like, this unkillable octopus that took this formerly good thing, like, U.S. Empire took it over and made it evil and that's what makes it imperialist? Or... Is it like completely self-collapsing? Is that the reason why everything's going wrong? I mean, I think for Sorab, I mean, like the CIA and American empire are good if they are operated, you know, according to the principles that he shares, which is like, I don't know, Catholic dominion over all law and society. And if it was anti-woke, then the U.S. empire would be good. Yeah, if it was if still, it, you, know, you know, Mormon alcoholics and Catholic teetotalers. Uh, I do think that one thing has advanced, though, and that is that even though he has a little reference there to uh, Islamic State in the Sahel or something, his bad guys, the ones bringing about the, the collapse of this decadent empire, aren't, aren't Muslims. 
It's 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 fucking uh it's Greta Thunberg. It's Greta yeah, Thunberg. Which, which yeah. Like, which is like how why did you get so mad at Robert Mueller? You guys are about the same thing. You know? <laughs> he, he's you guys both thought this was the biggest threat, but like I do like it, yeah. A thinly veiled uh, Extinction Rebellion being the terrorist because you know, if that was happening, if Extinction Rebellion was actually like taking over nuclear power plants, uh you know, the CIA would just have to give them a call and go like Hey, do we have to talk about this next staff meeting or not? <laughs> uh, continuing, uh, the, the, the Morab Mamari uh, briefs uh, Madam President. He says, it was you, Madam President, who as Vice President oversaw the reorganization of the intelligence community, installing a directorate for diversity, inclusion, and equity at each agency. And the DIE directors at the various agencies have been working overtime to filter any intelligence from Russia, France, Britain and the like of your daily out of uh, and the like out of your daily briefings on the grounds that these powers cling to the dark vestiges of the past, as you put it in your inaugural address. I mean, like, like I mean, I, these guys, like, I don't know whether they're aware of it or not, but like, I mean, it it is astonishing to me that which like how how much they overstate how much a person like Kamala Harris is like cares about like fucking diversity in the CIA or what they're up to at all. No, well, yeah, Kamala, Kamala Harris is like work. She, the only thing she cares about is like, why am I still underwater in the polls? Yeah. Like, first of all, she, he doesn't have to realize he doesn't have to worry about this because she's literally never going to become president. I know. Honestly, get yeah. out of here. Yeah. That's the last thing you have to worry about, buddy. Like yeah. Joe is like, the honeymoon's over a bit, but Joe's still like he's in the black. Like he's still way more people approve than disapprove. They like it when he goes on TV and just like the wheels completely fall off. And the question is whether or not we should be in a position where you uh, um, are. Why can't the 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 experts say we know that this virus is in fact uh, um, uh, is, is, is going to be. Uh, or excuse me, we, we, we know why all the drugs approved are not temporarily approved, but permanently approved. Kamala, they're trying everything. They're they're recording as many slow motion videos of her walking as they possibly can. <laughs> and just no one likes her. Uh, the staffer explained that a scientific technical solution was out of reach. Given the direction of grant money these days, our top physicists now devote most of their energies to exploring the connection between the cosmos and the idea of racial blackness and to interrogating the use of terms such as black holes among mostly white heterosexist scientists. And our scientists are increasingly, how shall I put this delicately, inadequate. Their departments flooded with race and gender theorists since the elimination of selective testing. And Madam President, you might as well forget about the military solution. Many in the top brass, as you can probably guess, have been busy naming and renaming bases. Guantanamo Bay has been renamed Naval Base Mumia Abul Jamal, <laughs> though its mission has hardly changed. Well, that, that's I mean, like, okay. That that, part drove like, me that's insane. what he's just saying. It like <laughs> that's what drove me insane. It's like okay, if the mission hasn't changed, the U.S. Empire is doing the same shit it's done for like eighty years. Then, like, why is this a problem? Because it makes him mad. Yeah. Because it's offensive to him aesthetically. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Everyone's just hollering at the TV. And I do love the idea of us naming a base after uh, Mumia Abdul-Jabbar, but not letting him out of prison. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and no, we're, we're, na we're naming a base after Mumia Abu jamal where we're also going to incarcerate people for the rest of their lives. <laughs> 
Yeah, so it's like, um, is it woke or not? Like, what the fuck is your point? Uh, he goes, yeah, and they've been uh, redesigning flags and insignias to remove any trace of the stars and stripes. The generals love critical race theory. As for the specific infiltration units we'd need for this particular job, those guys have been working remotely since the rolling COVID lockdowns became the norm. They haven't trained for years and are frankly hideously overweight. <laughs> <laughs> it's like all our, all our fucking all our spies and fucking CIA ops have just been eating fucking ding-dongs in their house for the last year and they're like, oh, too fat now to infiltrate Extinction Rebellion. Oh, well. Yeah, like the only, the if that happened, if they'd put like Delta on covid lockdown like your problem wouldn't be them getting fat it would be them doing so much anavar that all their hearts explode (laughs) um uh, madam president the staffer was winding up your best bet is to level with the public and tell the people that you're going along with extinction now we can hope a preemptive u.s surrender will dissuade them from blowing up our reactors at least turn the russians into the villains here and insist that democracy itself is at stake Within hours, more than half of American residential homes and small businesses would lose power. Gas queues would stretch for miles. Shoppers fighting over basic supplies in grocery stores would resort to armed struggle. Riots would break out in red states and blue, though the federal government and media would strictly refer to the latter as social justice gatherings. (laughs) Americans and the West as a whole would be foolish to underestimate the security risks posed by woke ideology to our societies. Even setting aside the important question of its origin, whether it represents the working out of liberal principles or some foreign ideological invasion from a source extrinsic extrinsic to the liberal order itself, I believe it's mostly the former. Wokeness serves two functions for today's ruling elite. The first is kind of ideological control directed against Western working classes. Wokeness covers over concrete class and economic injustices, massive wealth inequality, health precarity, stagnant wages, and so on. Yeah, I mean, th- those are issues Sorab is extremely concerned about, and he's working to rectify those every day for the, you know, the, all of the unwoke working class that you know, he writes on behalf of. Uh, It creates an impression of furious change and even revolutionary activity. Yet what is in fact taking place is mostly intra-elite competition and redistribution. A disabled trans woman may be on the board, but workers still have to relieve themselves in bottles for lack of sufficient breaks. Wokeness, moreover, is a powerful regulatory mechanism for the HR department, replacing, replacing the old factory discipline with a far more invasive psychological apparatus having to do with workers' use of language and, in essence, their manners. And, you know, I mean, again, it's just like it's it just pick your poison here because, I mean, as I've explained, Sorab is doing this on behalf of uh, a social order he would see instituted over America in which the Catholic Church takes over all these functions that wokeness previously did in terms of uh, disciplining your uh, uh, inner psyche, emotions, manners and workplace behavior. Because, you know, if you think you can be gay and not be fired under Sorab's uh, uh, chosen dream world that he wants to live in. Uh, yeah, you got another thing coming. But there is a, section fun- a second function, and it's one that threatens to upset the whole apple cart. As Oliver Bateman has astutely argued, woke censorship also serves to insulate elite- elites themselves from reality. The owners of capital and the dull-witted meritocrats who service them would prefer not to be exposed to the discontents of workers, but also to other realities that call their rule into question, whether diplomatic or environmental or military. The system must go on. Wokeness creates a filter for uncomfortable facts. Yeah, we've Take never had real- that before. That's new. The elites were never insulated culturally uh, before, like, 2014. Good point. Well, all the, all the arguments you can make here about, about oh, wokeness, is, it's, it's uh, mystifying these class relationships. So, does, so that means that uh, 
they, they say wokeness mystifies all these class relationships. Therefore, the way to unveil the reality and like restart class war uh, uh, is to argue about wokeness all the time. As if people being against wokeness doesn't contribute to the dynamic that makes it mystifying in the fucking first place. Right. No, this is like, it's the same thing as like, you know, Black Rifle when it's first getting started. Like, you want people to get mad at it. Yes. That's the point of it. Like, the whole, this whole thing, they need each other. Sorab needs the woke people as much as they need him. And all of it serves the purpose he's pointing out. And he's contributing to it. If someone went up to Sorab and was like, you press this button. There's no more wokeness, but you can no longer go to French Laundry. What do you think he's doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, to take a real-world example, USC elites spent decades courting China and inviting the Beijing regime into the international economic order, often at the expense of workers in the American heartland. Then it turned out that the Chinese may have been responsible for unleashing a novel virus that cost millions of lives and untold economic damage, much of it borne by the Western poor. But rather than face this reality and all, it's implied head, and all it implied head on, elites deployed wokeness as an insulating mechanism, linking the virus to its origins was xenophobic in the early days of the pandemic, witnessed the World Health Organization's virus naming agonies, and suggesting the possibility of a lab leak was likewise racist and unscientific to boot. Facebook aggressively censored any lab leak claims, including a column in the New York Post where I work. Economic interdependence with China is paramount, paramount and wokeness helps block elites' own views of its downsides. You can see easily how this principle, taken to its logical conclusion, could usher in the next cataclysm, one far more serious than COVID-19. Yeah, we can easily see how this all taken to its logical conclusion, Sorab, would lead to a cataclysm far worse than COVID-19, which you've already, he's already pointed out has killed millions of people. But like <laughs> the cataclysm he's talking about is is the is is having a CIA that that talks about uh, gender inclusivity. Yeah, that you have to end the endless war. Uh, and the, hey, you know what would really help uh, the workers of America's heartland? A war with China. World War Three would be uh, that. That would be a way to demystify a lot of these a lot of these relationships and economic and cultural. Yeah, trends, but the, I mean, the thing also with like the lab leak thing is like, yeah, I mean, I'm against like. Companies like automatically like labeling anything fucking misinformation and like selectively picking what they suppress. But it's like, okay, the fact that they're not doing that anymore with Lab Leak, that you can now talk about Lab Leak, did so did like they stop becoming woke? Like, what happened? What's your point? Well, like I said, I like, I mean, it's just, it's the agonies of them discovering themselves in a moral minority. I'm like, I'd like, and their, their fear that they will be treated like the social pariahs that they, regard as the natural and rightful province of everyone else who's not them. So mm. that does it for uh, Sorab Amari's uh, little, 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 little dreamscape, his, his mind palace about a not-too-distant, near-future America. And I think that uh, does it for the show this week, boys. Yeah. Me and Will are on our way go to Littlefield to do the Seeking Derangements live show. If you're hearing this in the future and you are able to go back in time and get any of the scalp tickets, like please attend on Thursday, July 22nd, 2021. <laughs> if you're hearing this from the future and you can go back into the past, prevent Caleb's assassination. I have a message for you and you're not going to like it. Pray for death at Littlefield tonight. <laughs> All right, gang. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye-bye.